for delivering material to a job site, Acadiana uses Hayes Dump Truck Services. Since 2011, Hayes has been moving heaven and earth to job sites all over Acadiana with their top-of-the-line dump trucks. Whether it's a huge landscaping job or a pre-construction site, Hayes has the manpower and equipment to move the materials fast-fast. You call, we haul. Dirt, compost, gravel, topsoil, fill sand, and limestone. Call Hayes right now, 852-8043. Hayes Dump Truck Services, where Jesus is Lord of this company. You're about to embark on a journey through the written word of God on subjects that deal with today. This is Brothers Just Searching. How you doing everyone? Welcome to another episode of Brothers Just Searching where we go ahead and study God's word and talk about current world events to educate and to edify the believers of Jesus Christ. As always, I'm Isaac Hayes along with Brother Bowen Roban and Anthony Hayes. Guys, what is going on today? A lot of work. It's getting hot. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's getting hot, man. It's starting to warm up. Hey, you know what's sad? My AC broke in the truck this today. Yeah, I feel your pain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have AC either. Oh, you don't have AC? No. I, I think never, you had AC. I never had luck with any air condition. It's not my friend. Me neither. I never had luck, good luck with him. Bo, Bo is living the high life right there. He got an AC job, an AC car. I'm, well, I'm ready for winter to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for the heater, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I rather the heater than the hot. <laughs> as long as, long yeah. as you don't die and go to the place that's hot, I'm just telling you. Right there. I, I, I don't want to go there. That's, no. that's the last place I want to go. Thank, thank you for Jesus. Let's just say that. Amen. Oh, thank you for the Lord. You're right. Thank you for Amen. Jesus, bro. Amen. 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 But, but at the same time, you don't want to be the frozen chosen either. You got that right. <laughs> Amen on that. Well, guys, we got a special guest tonight. Uh, Boogie, you are not alone in the Arthur world tonight. We got another Arthur online right now. I'm so happy. I'm, I felt like I was alone in this world. Well, you were. Me and Bo, we, could, <laughs> we couldn't even look at a... Uh, couldn't help you on that part. We uh -huh. <laughs> Me and Bowen can't look at a comic book and even, like, we don't even know how to write that nope. with pictures. So. But anyway, we got Mr. Nelson Sadai with us today. He is the writer of a book called From Damnation to Salvation. He's also head of a ministry up in north parts of the United States. Nelson, how you doing tonight, my brother? Shalom. I'm, I'm very blessed. Um, I'm just grateful to be here uh, alongside the likes of all of you. Uh, we serve a mighty God. Amen. Amen. Well, so, so Nelson, if I can go ahead and give a little bit of background to the audience, me and you were introduced to Facebook on a podcast group that we're part of. Uh, you do podcasting and all that stuff as well. And you went ahead and asked uh, if somebody would go ahead and read your book and try to promote it. And I read your book a while back in a very powerful testimony. When I got your book and read it, I, I contacted you right away, and I, I thought it would be good for you to be on the podcast tonight and promote your material. Uh, one, you got a very powerful testimony, and I, I can't wait for my brothers here in the studio can hear it. And um, just what God has brought you through, man, it's a, it's a tremendous blessing to know you, and uh, I, I think it was orchestrated for us to be here tonight to record this podcast. Uh, yeah, praise God. Yeah, we, we uh, connected recently online, and... You know, thank God we live in this day and age where we can cross oceans, you know, virtually and, and miles and meet people and see the many things that God has done to people's lives that you could you could never imagine. Things that it goes beyond um, 
beyond the milk of the gospel. This is stuff that it's hard for some people to receive. So I think it's going to be a blessing for some people. Amen. Amen. So um, before we start off, could you uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry up there um, in up north? I know you live around New Jersey, I believe, correct? Well, I'm originally from the South Bronx in New York City, but right now I'm in the Indiana area. Oh, Indiana, okay. Um, I used to be a hip-hop head. I used to be a b-boy, MC, graffiti artist, and a hip-hop educator for about a decade. And then, basically, long story short, uh, this book that I wrote is a, a short recap of what I went through during the last week of 2016. I basically had a week of open visions, and I gave my life to Christ. Um, and since then, it's been a process of sanctification. Amen. And that, that, that's every believer goes through that. But like I said, you got a unique testimony. And uh, can, can you bring us from the beginning, you know, as we start off, um, you know, when we're going to ask, you know, why you wrote the book and everything like that. But take us a little bit to the beginning of your life. You know, you said you was a hip hop artist and, and, and all that stuff. What, what was that life like before coming to the Lord? So before I gave my life to the Lord, um, I'm from the Bronx. As I said, I'm Puerto Rican, which is a very, uh, very uh, big uh, in the roots and the origin of hip hop culture. My dad uh, was a part of Zulu Nation, which is the organization that formed hip hop culture. And at one point, I was a chapter leader of that organization in Bronx River. I was heavily into the culture. Like, this was my life 24 7, Monday through Sunday. I professionally did this. I've, I've collaborated with the legends of the subcultures of the culture of hip-hop on many different things, and I was uh, defiled in my soul because of a lot of the things that I went through within the culture, because as, as I'm sure some of you may or may not know, hip-hop is bigger than just music. From the music, though, a lot of people, they get unclean spirits, spirits of racism, Spirits connected to the whole pro-black Latino thing that it goes too far. And a lot of people, they get way too interested in, in those roots and they end up dabbling into false religions. Uh, like, for example, of my culture uh, is the Taino. Those are the Native Americans of uh, Puerto Rico. When I started to study all that at one point in my life, it was it was uh, stuff I shouldn't have been studying. You know, this is stuff that pulls people away from the living God. Um, I used to be to be a b-boy. I used to spin on my head on the concrete. And a lot of the music that I danced to was music uh, like James Brown, Funkadelic, uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff that maybe your, your parents or grandparents or your uncle would love. And they, they may even be believers and consider some of this stuff permissible, but a lot of it is unclean because a lot of the ideology is behind it and the root of it spiritually. So, so, so you're telling me that a lot of the hip hop music, and we we studied music here, in, in Brothers Just Searching. We haven't done a podcast on it yet, but a lot of music is spiritual, and that you're just confirming that what a lot of I heard once some somebody say one time that music is neutral. There's no feeling in it. There's no spirituality in it. But according to you, there is spirits that are behind certain types of music. Correct. Yes, not, not only according to me, but most importantly, according to our Bibles. Uh, when David was young and he wasn't um, king yet, he had played a harp for Saul. 
And that was an instrumental, basically. And by an instrumental, if you will, un- an unclean spirit left Saul that was sent from the Lord because of Saul's sin, right? We know that music can be an, an open door or a closing of a door. It can make spirits transfer. They can come in someone or out of someone. Um, this is why when you praise and worship as a Christian, uh, the atmosphere around you is changed by God. God enters into the gates of your body, and you have holy angels that enter into the room, even though you can't necessarily see it with your physical eyes unless if God wants you to. Uh, it's a lot deeper than people think. But even in the hip-hop culture itself, if you look up online, people like KRS, Bambada, and other people who are the founders of hip-hop culture and some of the most well-known uh, educators in that culture, they'll tell you flat out what they believe, which is not Christian. It's not Christianity. It's very anti-Christ. They believe in doctrines like Rastafarianism, doctrines like the religion of Egypt, doctrines of devils, essentially. They believe in, they believe in the teachings of the nation of Islam, um, of Islam. It's just a whole new age gumbo, if you will of every spirituality. It's ecumenism in a sense. You know, uh, that that music you're talking about, you know, you were talking about it leads into different open doors and stuff. That music also leads into witchcraft, don't it? Yeah. Um, Not only the music, but the culture behind it. Because like, like I did graffiti art, right? And a lot of the graffiti artists, it's in, it, this goes deeper than just the music, but a, a lot of the people, again, when they go back to their culture, especially if they're black, they start figuring out stuff about like West Africa and the stuff that the tribes believe in, stuff like Mamiwata and the uh, marine spirit worship. And they start following stuff about like wearing crystals and lots and certain traditions that are taught by indigenous people all across the world which is just witchcraft, essentially. It may go by a different name, but it's witchcraft. In the Puerto Rican community, you have santeria, brujeria. It's witchcraft. And in the African community, you may have, they may call it juke. They might call it voodoo. But it's I was fixing to say that because uh, voodoo is very popular in New Orleans. In New Orleans, voodoo is very popular. And when you were talking about that, I thought about voodoo. I said that music there leads to voodoo and many other, well, it, it other different into, kinds of things. It ties into Zodico. You yeah, see, it uh, does. Where, where yeah. Brother Nelson's at, hip-hop was kind of like the culture around his area. Yeah. If you look at Louisiana, Zodico, Zodico. And, and all that stuff, a lot of that a lot is of that. the same thing. Um, there's... What Zodico's song is singing to a certain person? I'm trying to remember. I know there's a few of them, but I, th- I think it's like to a saint. They call her a saint. Yeah, yeah. I know Roman Catholic about. Church, but it's, it's the same thing as a uh, right, right as witchcraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta understand. You know, the uh, there's an old saying: whatever food you eat, you become like it. And same thing with the music. You know, if people, you know, you, you know how people are, what they watch and what they listen to. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying every music or every movie is bad, but you do have to be cautious what you listen to and what you put in your spirit, because you will become it. You will become your music. You will become what your movie is preaching, like it or not. It will become your taskmaster, and it will it'll, it'll control you one way or another. Exactly. 
So, brother Nelson, so so you you said your dad was the founding, like he was part of the founding of hip hop around here, or around the United States. Well, he was he was a part of the, the hip hop organization called the Universal Zulu Nation. They founded what you know as hip hop culture. Wow. He was a he was one of the people out of hundreds of people, if not thousands, when it first came out in the 1970s in the Bronx. Okay. Me. Um, when I before I was saved, at one point for like maybe four years, three four years, I was a chapter leader myself of one of their branches in the Bronx, um, and they promote basically ecumenism. They promote Egyptology and and Islam and just nonsense. Do they yeah, also point people anything but the biblical Jesus? Do they do they also like endorse uh, mysticism? In some circles, there's no accountability within them. They just sort of believe whatever they want to believe. It's weird because at the same time, they also believe in the Illuminati. Oh, wow. They believe in the Illuminati. Wow. At the same time, Islam and Egyptology. So it's like, you got to pick your battles. Like, y'all are on the same team. It's all, uh, you know, under the God, the lowercase g God of this world, which is Satan. They're just deceived and they don't know any better. So they don't go in just one certain direction. It actually spreads out yeah, they go, into many different things, and they, yeah. they mix it all up together. Yeah. Well, like Brother Nelson said, it's a spiritual gumbo. Yeah. Yeah. It probably saw a track to this generation of human beings over the past 40, 50 years. It's been one of the world's most popular movements in the world because it's so open to everything. Oh wow! It wow. kind of sounds like masonry. Masonry is like that. They open to any religion, anything. Yeah, masonry is the same way. Wow. Yeah. So, brother Nelson, so so you were big into that. Can you bring us through the process? I read through your book about how you were heavily into hip hop and all that, but you go into your testimony of how you found the Lord. What before that night that you was in your bedroom? What was what led what did you start getting interested into christianity or what you know what's your roots how did you know how did the lord lead you to salvation so yeah that's that's a very good question um my whole life there were little seeds planted i was not raised in biblical evangelical christianity as as some people might label it um i was raised more agnostic but i did have my mom tell me to pray to jesus we did go to churches uh, to get food from pantries. I did go to even what I call the Jesus camp at one point in my teenage years. Um, but I wasn't born again. I did believe Jesus was God. Um, I did always kind of believe in the supernatural. Most Americans do. Um, I, I was also one of those weird people who believed in aliens and, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. So I was open to the supernatural. Most people are. The thing is, the enemy probably saw that I was all open and tried to tried to see that with me dabbling more into hip hop culture. Like as I got older, just sin added on to sin, as the scripture talks about. And I just I went more down the rabbit hole, down that path, that broad, wide path of destruction. And I just opened more do- doors in my life to unclean spirits, through tattoos, through music, through dancing, through graffiti, through sin in itself. Just living in sin and rejecting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It wasn't until I had 
these open visions that I was so scared of seeing literal demons manifest that I knew, okay, I believe that God is real. And I obviously know Jesus is God. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. I need to call on this Jesus. I don't, I don't know much about this Jesus. I had never really read a Bible before then. Um, but I, I knew to, something in my spirit knew to call on the Lord. And that was enough. God will meet people where they're at. As long as you know is that that's a good start, you know? It doesn't stop there, though. I had to get a Bible. I had to learn proper doctrine. And for a long time, for a couple of months, I thought Catholicism was Christianity. For a couple of months, I was listening to Joel Osteen and, and stuff I should not have been listening to. But God still used it because God can use something to meet people where they're at. But he's not going to keep you there because you're, you're going to be uh, shown the truth. He's going to bring all things that are hidden to light. Amen. Amen. Um, no, I was just saying how, like, you know, we talk about music and all that stuff earlier and how uh, these groups, they take anything and anyone. You know, the Bible calls that, you know, you're not supposed to mix Baal or God or, or anything of the devil. You can't mix it. And a lot of people think, and, and even Protestant churches are even doing that. Churches are supposed to know better. They're taking anything, and they, they're trying to make it gospel, and you can't do that, you know? Exactly. Well, Brother Nelson, you was talking about the, the being open to the supernatural. You said a lot of people are open to that. Um, to add on what Bully just said about churches, Protestant churches, uh, Bill Johnson has a lot of things into Bethel. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people don't realize is anti Christ. It's, it's, it's anti Christ worship, um, so like soul sleeping or soul seeking or these fire tunnels and everything. Do you think yeah. they're doing this not aware of the supernatural? Like you said, you were you were dabbling in it, but these mm-hmm. churches are dabbling in the wrong spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, when it comes to like doc- doctrines of like uh, what people call grave soaking. Um, it's a teaching that they believe that it's it's either immature Christians or people who are lukewarm or may or may not even be saved because you have to keep in mind, just because you go to a Christian ministry, it does not mean everyone in that building is saved. Correct. It does not mean everyone in the building knows the word or that they're actually even, um, like, they, they, like they even really believe in the supernatural. A lot of people are professing Christians and they're sensationists, which is false doctrine. They don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. They don't believe in the supernatural. Yet they want to say that they believe in a God who rose from the grave and all the other stuff that the scripture is very clear on. But the problem with that doctrine is they're taught that they can soak up an anointing of someone if they go to the grave site of a famous preacher or a famous Christian. And that's very dangerous because they twist scriptures of uh, the guy who fell on the bones of Elijah, if I'm not mistaken, from the Old Testament. The problem with that is people just, they invent these teachings either out of nowhere or maybe some, someone, some, something, some unclean spirit whispered it to them. It's not in the Bible. Um, But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't say everyone who is necessarily under those coverings in those ministries, we don't condemn them. They can be saved. They may just have just got saved yesterday, and they don't know. 
So we have to take everything case by case with people, and you have to be patient. You have to love is patient. Love, love bears. We have to be. You have to remember. There's a lot of people, especially in America, if they, if the if the only Christianity that they know is TBN and CBN, they need people to closely minister to them and disciple them. And it's going to be difficult if they've been church hurt. It's going to be difficult if they come from a background where all they know is whatever the pastor said. They never looked for themselves. Yes, that's a part of their own accountability. The Bible makes it very clear. You have to be a noble like a Berean and study the scriptures. But a lot of people, sometimes they're not taught this. And we got to be patient with them, pray for them, intercede for them, and don't condemn them. Amen? Amen. I'm a, I'm a, I want to share something with you. We talked about this last week. Mm. You know, America is is a country that has more light of the gospel of Jesus Christ than any other country in the world. We've put out more missionaries, and we got more preachers and pastors and churches, and you got a church in the bottom on every corner. Um, in the Bible, you have Bibles over here to the glory. And I think one of the biggest problems you have right now in this country, people are going to churches, and I've seen this for myself. They're going to churches, but they have no Bible in their hand. They're taking what the pastor is saying for truth. They go home. They don't sit down and read the Word of God. Mm -hmm. They don't search the Word of God. They don't study the Word of God. So you, you have to look at it in a perspective that, People are not taking entrance in learning the Word of God and learning for themselves what the Word says. So they're going to take anything that comes down the pike, any wind of doctrine, yep. anything that comes down the pike, mm -hmm. people are going to soak it up and say, well, that's the truth. That's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to go for. That's what I'm going to believe and live for. And if that's what you're going to do, you're going to be so easily deceived because we are living in a time that is so deceiving, so so much deception. And that's what's going to happen as we go on into the times that we live in. More and more Christians are going to fall away because they're going to fall for doctrines that don't line up with the Bible. And, and I'm going to share something with you. I spend time with God every day. I spend time in that word every day. In the morning when I get home from work, I spend time in the Word, I study. When I get up to go to work at night, I spend time in the Word and I study. That Word of God is becoming a part of my life. That Word leads me every day. If I don't read the Word of God one, day, one time out of the day, I'm lost. And that's the problem with people today. It's supposed to be your daily bread. And you know, right. that, that's what a lot right. of people, you know, they won't go without a meal. They'll make sure at 8 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 5 o'clock, they have a meal they're eating mm -hmm. and they get into a routine to eat. And that's what us Christians should do. We should go ahead and make sure we have a routine to read the Word. That's right. So We're sorry, Brother Nelson. We got, we, got into, we got into conversation. I apologize. <laughs> no, no. Y'all are definitely on point. And I touch and agree in Jesus' name. I honestly do believe that it, it's a big part of uh, the falling away that it's come. And that, to a degree, is happening now already within uh, churchianity, if you will. Right, right. So, my brother, uh, as we go on to your testimony, you, you're getting into the part of when you got saved, and we, we covered before you got saved. In the book, you mentioned about the first time that you 
re- that the Lord really shook you up and that the devil tried to play with your mind. Um, could you just take us a little bit? I don't want, you know, if somebody goes pick up the book to spoil it, but could you just walk through us a little bit about that night in your book and that that week that you talk about in your book? Yeah, so um, a, a lot happened in that week. Basically, demons manifested in several different ways. One of one of the most interesting ways, uh, they were like shadowy figures, 3D, the way you would see a person standing or, or moving in front of you. Um, I was not asleep. Um, I make this very clear in the book. I have always been straight edge my whole life. I don't smoke, drink, or take pills. Um, I was not under the influence of pharmacia. Um, I was not, um, this was not a result of being intoxicated or, or nothing like that. So no one can say that, I, that I'm just crazy. And this is not a, an isolated incident. This is also something that it's very common in a lot of testimonies all over the world. The thing is, there's even people who did not give their life to Jesus Christ who have also experienced these things, and they describe seeing shadowy figures. Um, different cultures call things different things, though. Uh, some of the other things that I saw was, uh, long story short, uh, my mom gave me a book at one point in the week, and it was a, a Santeria book. It was, it was a book praying to what I thought was saints and Jesus and stuff, and it, was, it wasn't biblical Jesus, and we're not supposed to be praying to saints, as we know. From scripture, mm-hmm. That's right. fallen angels, and as I read from this book, there was more manifestations happening in my room. I was audibly hearing an Indian man singing, like 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 Native American singing, which is crazy. Uh, I've I've seen things I can't explain biblically, but I can explain biblically. At one point in the week, I went to a Catholic church because at my mind, I'm Latino. In my, in my culture, that's Christianity for, for Latinos. They think Christianity is Roman Catholicism. So I, at one point in the week, I, I ran to a Catholic church with my mom, and we were praying, and I looked up, and I saw, uh, like for a split second, what looked like one of the women that was depicted in the book. I thought that I saw Mary or something. It's weird. Because it gave me a, a false sense of comfort. But the more I read the Bible, I realized with discernment that, okay, that wasn't Mary. Ma- Mary died. You know, she was blessed. She gave birth to the Messiah. But she was a human being who needed salvation like me, you, or anyone else. That wasn't Mary. I saw something that was appearing as an angel of light. This, this, this was a demon or something that uh, it, it, it shifted to look like what I saw. And this explains a lot of apparitions in the world of people, with, whether or not you um, agree that people saw or didn't see things, people really have. And they've been told even things sometimes. If you look up online, like Fatima and stuff like Joseph Smith and Alan G. White saying that they saw visions, and maybe they really did. Even Allah, uh, uh, Muhammad in Islam, Muhammad supposedly had a, a, a vision with Gabriel in, in, in a tomb and stuff. And his Catholic wife had to convince him that it was of God. Um, but when you read the scriptures, if, if you see a spirit and they tell you of a different Jesus, of a different gospel, if they can't say Jesus is come in the flesh in the present tense, this is not a vision of God. Yeah. A lot of people can experience the supernatural, but supernatural does not automatically mean it's of God. And I had to learn uh, that week. 
Well, you know, you, you're talking about that, you know, because Satan, he want, he don't wants people to go to heaven. He wants people off the road path. So he was saying, like you said, he was saying spirits, he was saying things. And God allows it, you know, to test men to see if they will believe him or not, you know. And, and Satan's a great deceiver because, like you said, the Bible says uh, Satan appears as an angel of light. So he's going to, you know, I believe people when they say they saw UFO or they saw... Uh, things you're talking about I really believe people are seeing these things and it's in great number it's not just one two or three people sometimes there's a whole multitude there's a whole crowd so I believe yep. that people are seeing things and those who don't believe in a spiritual world think it's just us we just matter and we just you know we're just a bunch of uh, you know nothings you know and they don't really they don't understand that you know exactly and, and for, for a lot of people if they have um Free, like if they're convinced in their mind already, biblically, that this is not a real thing, this can be very overwhelming for someone. And God might use something like this to bring people out of false doctrine. It's amazing because the scriptures makes it clear that anything that the enemy, you know, you know, means for our evil, God turns it around for our good. You know, those mm -hmm. who are called according to purpose. And my testimony is a great example of that because I wasn't looking for God. I was fully rejecting him in my lifestyle, in my thoughts, in my mind, in my creativity. God gave me that creativity, but I was rejecting him even with my creativity. Mm. And it's amazing how he, he, he picked me out uh, out of the whole crowd of billions of people. And he said, I'm going to use you. You're mm. going to change. Your family is going to see this. Your community is going to see this. And they may all reject that change, but you're going to be made an example. And I'm honored that I can be saved when I don't deserve it, like anyone else. None of us deserve it. And, uh, you know, the Bible said that, you know, because around here, for example, it's heavy Catholic where we're at in Jehovah's Witness. And, uh, you know, I used to joke, they say, if, you, uh, if you're not a Catholic and a Democrat at one time over here, you know, you were persecuted really bad, you know, <laughs> back in the day. But it's just, uh, thank God, change, some things change a little bit, but... But, uh, you know, Jesus said your family will reject you. You know, people don't understand, like, mostly when you come to false religion, people, if they just read the Bible, and it, the Bible plainly exposes any false doctrine, any religion. You know, I heard stories of Catholic priests and nuns, you know, reading the Bible, and they're like, man, this is not in the Bible. And, like, Martin Luther and these other reformers, they start reading the Bible, and this doctrine's not in the Bible. And so, the, you know, the God's Word opens the door, it opens light a person that's blind has been tradition some people just don't know you know and so they need to know that's right now for, uh brother nelson i got a question to ask you 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 said throughout that week you experienced a lot of things and you went to a catholic church and you saw the figure and you had hope uh, false hope when did you come to the realization that that wasn't biblical christianity and when did you give your life to the lord well, like, I, I gave my life to the Lord officially like that after like four or five days of, of vision. And it, it kind of climaxed with that vision that I had in that Catholic church, which is weird, right? You wouldn't expect that. But I gave my life to the Lord because I figured, you know what? This is real. This changes the rest of my life forever. I can't ignore this. I can't act like it didn't happen. This changes everything. There's a super, there's a spiritual realm, I know now, you know, after the fact, 
that is real. And I, I cannot ignore that. I cannot go on with my life like it's just, it's just normal. I'm just going to. I'm just going to wake up and just go B-boy on the corner. No, it doesn't work that way. I need to, to find the truth of this. I ended up getting a Bible. I was happy. The first time I ever brought my own Bible from the bookstore and actually paid for it. Not, I'm, I'm a former graffiti artist. I used to steal things from the store. <laughs> that was a big deal for me. Um, the more that I read the Bible, the more, it, in my personal experience, when I first got saved, I didn't have any working knowledge of Scripture. I saw a lot of Bible movies. The mo it's funny because I have vivid memories of watching Bible movies. And in one movie, I realized that I didn't see something that was uh, not in the other movie. Like I, when I saw one of the movies where Peter walked on the water, I didn't see it in the other movie. I didn't even know that that was in the Bible. I was like, what? I thought only Jesus walked on water. <laughs> and to think about that now. That I, it was so amazing to me. And... Uh, I saw many documentaries that can be very dangerous because online you have documentaries that are just fully anti-Christ mm -hmm. and they'll tell you different things about Jesus without even backing it up. You have movies like Zeitgeist, which is an anti-Christ film, which tells people that Christianity came from the uh, religion of Egypt, which is a lie. Um, when I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a scholar. I saw these many documentaries, read, read the Bible, and I came to the conclusion after a few months. It wasn't instant for me. It took months. Some of y'all might say I'm a little slow for that, but it took months. I actually went, after I got saved, I went to a Catholic church and went to confess my sins in, in, in Manhattan. I remember doing that. It was so weird. Um, <laughs> thank God I got, like, you know, uh, revealed the truth by the Lord and didn't stay in that deception. I never officially joined the Catholic ministry or anything like that. What I did was just look at it for myself. I went to a few services and I, and, and I, I saw some things and I, it's just simple reasoning. You realize, okay, what they're teaching is not in the Bible, mm. but it took me a while. And, and, and you know, uh, Brother Nelson, you're saying it takes a while. There's, there's some ministers out there that, that say, it took them years to understand something that was in the Bible. And I, I could tell that from when you, your experience, you're saying that that wasn't right. That was the Holy Spirit working inside. And you say, look, son, this isn't where you're supposed to be at. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah, I'm glad you tell the story. Cause I heard many story of people like in Islam or in Roman Catholicism, or Jehovah's Witness or Mormons. God just chooses certain people. He picks them out, and then they read the Bible, and they when they start looking at God, just reveals some things to them, or they start looking in the Bible, and they start realizing, oh wow, this is not this is not what God wanted. You know, I was hearing the story of a, a relative of mine, a lady. She got saved. She was Catholic, and she got born again. And she says she went to the Catholic church the next day, and she just felt it something was wrong. And then when she started reading the Bible, she started realizing, oh wow, this doctrine's not in the Bible. You know, and so God opens the door, you know, if people really want to know the truth. And there's some people, they just don't, they don't have the Bible, know the truth, but then they're searching. And then God appears to them or God, somehow God brings somebody to them. Or you're, in your case, you just want to get a Bible and God opens that door. You know, if people, if God won't lead nobody in the dark, if they want to know, God will lead them, you know, in the right direction to get them out of that darkness. But, you know, it comes a price to knowing the truth, you know, sometimes. 
that's right. When when I got saved, I lost all my friends. Oh wow! I, I lost my career, my what I thought was my life. You know, um, mm-hmm. but I've been so blessed. Here I here I am. A couple of years later, I'm married now. Wow. I was single and I'm married to a, a blessed woman of God. Um, I'm working in ministry. Um, I, I'm not living in my parents' house no more. I'm so blessed. Like, if anyone, I, I just want to say this. If there's anyone out there listening to this and you recently gave your life to the Lord and, and you're struggling and you're like, like, how is this helping me? I believe in this, but how is this tangibly helping me? You may not see it. And you don't necessarily have to see it right now, but have faith. If God can provide for me, he can provide for you. He'll, he'll give you more than you can ever even think is suitable for you. He'll put you in circumstances where you're going to be blessed beyond your wildest imagination. And you're going to realize in the end, his plan was better than your plan. But you have to yield to him. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense of peace when you serve the Lord. You know, when I go to bed sometimes, it's just knowing that my heart's right with God and I know where I stand with him. And there's a sense of peace in your heart. Just knowing that you're right with God makes a world of difference. Amen. So Felipe, uh, Felipe, uh, Felipe must be, you knew that was coming. <laughs> Brother Nelson, and I'm sorry, we have a friend named Felipe, and I don't know why, he's probably talking about me right now. Um, but Brother Nelson, you, so, you got out of that life, you, you know, you, you said that when you was in the Catholic Church, you felt something wasn't right. At the same time, were you watching Televangelist? I know we talked about that earlier, you said you switched to that. Did you start watching them instead of going to the Catholic Church, or did, what, what, was, what was that format like? What, what was that experience? So I was doing it all at the same time. Um, for the first few months of, of being a born again Christian, I was still somewhat involved in hip hop culture, but I was slowly coming out of that. God was convicting me of things little by little. Um, little by little, I was yielding to Him. I was I was kicking and screaming and fighting Him on it. But slowly, I, I was giving in to him. I was watching the Christian uh, channels that I had access to, uh, my local uh, cable uh, channels, and as well as uh, looking up YouTube videos. And I saw many, many different videos, and I learned a lot very quickly. Because when you really want to learn, you're going to learn. In the world, I'm sure all of us here, we used to binge watch uh, series of uh episodes of our favorite TV shows and watching movies that were four hours long, like Lord of the Rings and stuff. So this was easy. This was nothing for me to just go on YouTube and watch hours of sermons. Granted, some of it was false teachers. I I learned it later after the fact, but I was like a sponge soaking up everything in that time. A lot of it bad, some of it good. And God just, the Holy Ghost was working on me and revealing to me, okay, this is not you know, what you should be listening to. This is who you should be listening to. I would read the comment section more. I, w- I would see people's responses. I would look up uh, the people that I would, I, I was uh, like televangelists televangelist that I was finding on TV. I would look up what people said about them online. And I would see for myself what the scripture said about what they said that they thought was false. And we all have to come to that conclusion at some point in our walk. 
uh, especially if you're doing ministry too, because you have to make sure that, you know, the, the flock around you is not deceived and that they're not just listening to anybody, you know? So yeah, it's been a journey. And, and in a lot of ways, I'm still on that journey. In a lot of ways, I'm, I'm still learning. I don't know 100% of everything, but I know enough. I know Jesus and that's more than enough. Amen. Amen. So let, let's go talk about your ministry a little bit. Um, and you know, you, you're not in New York. Uh, you're not in New New York no more, correct? Yeah, not no more geographically. Uh, my heart is there, though. Uh, but I'm, I'm in um, Indiana, in the state of Indiana right now. Um, I've, when I've been saved, like a year after I was saved, I started street preaching in New York City. And since then, I was also teaching online. I've been uploading teachings uh, and sermons. And I've been kind of been doing that the past, like, four years. Um it's definitely from God because even my wife could testify. There's, there's times where I was just meditating on something. I write notes like at work and the Lord will put something in my spirit that I'm not even thinking about and, and just drop teachings. And, and I'm just happy to be able to pour that out. Um, I'm not leading a local congregation, but I'm, I'm open to that. If God wants to bring people uh, to me to do that. Um, I do believe that accountability is important and local fellowship is important. We live in a weird time. A lot of people have an ungodly fear because of COVID. A lot of people, um, they, they have a war in their members over local fellowship right now. And it, it's very difficult, but a lot of people, they're going to break out of that soon. Man, how, was, get how was it preaching in the streets of New York? And the reason I ask that question is because our local pastor here, Pastor Brandon Trott, that comes here every so often to do a Bible study with us in the Book of Romans, he told us a story a while back of being in the streets of New Orleans, and he was trying to preach, and people were rejecting him, and people were rejecting his message, and he felt so convicted and so hurt that he was crying and praying face down in the streets of New Orleans, people thought he was drunk. People thought he was crazy, but he said yeah. he had so much of a burden for the people in New Orleans. And there is a picture out there. Somebody took a picture of my pastor and he showed it on the screen one time. And he said, he said, it's just so hard to see all these people walking around New Orleans on Bourbon Street and seeing these people going to hell and not just don't even think about Christ. It just, they just let it pass by. And I know, I think New York is 10 times bigger than new Orleans. Oh, yeah. So, so how, how's the atmosphere there, brother Nelson? How, how's that atmosphere in New York? Is it similar to what I just described here in new Orleans or is it a totally different feeling? So in, in my experience of preaching over the past few years, I've noticed preaching up North in the United States, more cold the people are more hard-hearted they're more uh unwilling to hear especially in new york new york city is filled with a lot of rude people and just straight thugs and just they're not trying to hear that they will fight you on the train for stepping on their, their sneakers uh, i come from that environment you know it's a different environment it's not like other places and i'm from the hood i'm not from fifth avenue uh you know um it's in, in some ways, in a lot of ways, I miss it because outside of New York City, you don't get crowds to preach to like that. In some ways, uh, in many times, I've experienced what your pastor talks about, 
that, that it's having that it's a godly sorrow over over what people people rejecting the Messiah. You know, they, they, this is their only hope, and you can stand in a crowd and see hundreds of thousands of people, and they just they literally do not care. You can yell on a microphone, you can yell, you can cry. They don't care. They're busy having fun sinning, and for some people, you can go preaching a whole day. It might be just for one person. A lot of, in my experience, I had to learn a lot through preaching that a lot of times people do it in the flesh. You have to do it in the right spirit. You you can't do it um, and be all fleshy and expect to get results. And you can't do it thinking that it's you. It's not you. It's God who convicts people of sin. It's God who draws them to himself. In the book of Jeremiah is very clear on that. He draws them to him by his cords of everlasting love. Um but yeah, that doesn't go away. You're still gonna always feel that that burden of of wanting souls to be saved. Uh, that's what an evangelist wants. That's what a pastor wants, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. That's what a Christian wants. We have a great commission, and it's it's it did not stop two thousand years ago. It started two thousand years ago. We're supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to have one-on-ones with people in the workplace, in our family, in our community. But you're supposed to also preach the crowds. Singing doesn't replace preaching. Um, nothing can replace preaching. Preaching must happen. So, yeah. It's, I like how you said it. That. I like how you said it because music does not uh, replace, replace preaching. preaching. You know, a lot, of pe- a lot of people will say, well, I heard a hill song song or I heard a Bethel song and that drew me to the Lord and it could happen the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to lead somebody to salvation but if you're going ahead and listen to Hillsong and I'm using Hillsong because that's one of the top churches in America top churches in the world and they're not famous for their preaching when I first heard Hillsong was a church I was shocked I thought it was just a music group but everybody says, "Oh, yeah. Hill Song touched me." So, but you know, you don't hear nothing about their preaching. You don't hear nothing about Bill Johnson at Bethel because they do the same thing. They have a great, they have a great music ministry, and even sometimes you got to watch out for the music they're singing because it's, sometimes it's not biblical. But you you yeah. don't hear about their preaching. You don't hear about their you hear about their songs and it makes them feel good. It don't convict them. We live in a weird time. We live in a generation where you could go to YouTube and they have videos atheists react to Christian songs. They'll react to a Christian song, say it's so powerful. Man, that's, they're great playing those instruments, but they don't give their life to the Lord. Right. That's a problem. When they can acknowledge that someone is talented musically, they know that they can't describe it because they, they, they wanted to turn it off, but they just let the, the video keep playing but they didn't repent of their sins. Music. We live in a weird where people did a prayer at a service and they think that they really got saved, but they had no life transformation. There's no evidence of their salvation. Maybe they were saved, but they fell away because of the, the, you know, the burdens of life, the, you know, the persecution, whatever. Music is uh, used in the churches for opening up people's hearts, mm-hmm. uh, opening people up, to hear the word of God and to receive God's word. Um, that's mainly what music is used for, and it's used in the worship to the Lord too. But a lot of churches, if you use it the right way, uh, 
the spirit of God can move with music that's used the right way and the right music is sung or the right music is played. And it opens people's hearts to the word. And when you preach the word of God, people receive that word and that's how people grow. That's what I believe. That's what, that's the way I see it. And, and people can get deliverance with anointed music as well. That's it. That's right. They get delivered from sickness or uh, anything that, you know, it could be anything. I mean, they, they're delivered from it, you know. Amen. Well, Brother Nelson, uh, before we go ahead and wrap this up, you know, just to end this, you uh, after New York, you said you moved to Indiana and you, you have a family now. Um, what's it like in Indiana? Is I, I know you say it's totally different than New York. Um, how's the how's the hearts there? Is the ministry growing? Um, and what 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 is your you're under a church right now? What how how you do that over there? So right now uh, with with the ministry that I'm doing uh, with Praise Jesus Christ Ministries, it's just online at the moment mainly. Um, but I do take the time to try to hand out tracks and and do one-on-ones with people. I'm in a different season, though. Um, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm more the mentality of be, the, be the, the wise virgin with oil in my lamp at this point in my walk because, you know, we're, we're at the brink. We're, we're at the doorway. It's, this is the midnight hour before Christ is coming back. I'm trying to make sure that me and my house make it in. Um, I'm not saying no one take my crown. And I, I recommend... Everybody else who can hear me does the same because at the end of the day, you have to make sure you stay safe. At the end of the day, you have to make sure that, that you are living a holy life and that you let nothing distract you from your relationship with God. You know, he's, he's the most important thing. He matters more than anything. And, uh, like, I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to, like, write my first book and, and promote it. But, you know, this, this earth is going to burn by fire. Yep. These books ain't going to be here, so God's word is going to last forever. This book is just one of many seeds out there for people to give their life to Christ, for people to um, have more maturity spiritually, for them to understand certain things, to also share it with others. None of us own this information. It's God's information. It's freely we give, freely, you know, we, we receive. I'm just glad to be a part of the process of, of God's story. It's really his story. And I'm just trying to not um, get distracted or sidetracked. Amen. Ministry is 20. Go ahead. Ministry is 24-7. You know, our, our life is ministry. You know, um, marriage is a ministry. Your household is a ministry. That doesn't, that should never supersede leading a flock either. I got to also say that out there. For, for, for anyone out there who is a minister, make sure your house is in order. Amen. Amen. Brother Nelson, where can we find your book? And if anyone wants to reach you to ask any questions about your ministry or your book, uh, how can they reach you? Uh, so my, right now my book is on Amazon.com. It's uh, from Damnation to Salvation. It's in English. Lord willing, soon it'll be out in Spanish. Um, right now uh, people can contact me through my email. It's Let's Praise Jesus. All one word. Let's praise Jesus at mail dot com. Um, and I'm on all the social media. Uh, I'm easy to contact, easy to find. Just type uh, praise Jesus Christ Ministries. 
And you also, uh, and again, you also got a podcast, email, correct? Yes, I do have a podcast. The podcast is the, the name of the ministry. It's Praise Jesus Christ Ministries podcast on Anchor. Um, and yeah, as far as the email, again, I'll say it one more time. It's not Gmail. It's just mail.com. It's let's praise Jesus at mail.com. And I'm easy to contact. Man. Well, Brother Nelson, we want to thank you for coming on. We really enjoyed mm -hmm. this conversation yes. and your testimony. And uh, we're praying for you. And uh, look, I, I, I praise the Lord that we met, my brother. I think it mm -hmm. wasn't by chance that we got together on Facebook. Um, what was the odds of this happening? You get what I'm saying? But uh, it's funny how the Holy Spirit leads and guides everything to a perfect point. So, Amen. Likewise, thank you for your time and thank you all for um, giving me this platform to just point to what Jesus has done for me and what he could do for others. Amen, my brother. We want to thank you for joining us here on Brothers Just Searching. We're praying for you. Amen, Amen my brother. Well, that was Mr. Nelson. Um, said Sedai, Sidi, Sedai, and um, brother Sedai is a pretty good brother in the Lord. We, uh, like I say, we met up on Facebook. We went, mm. we was on a, the same group, a podcast group, and um, wow, it's funny how the Lord orchestrates things. What a powerful testimony! I liked it. Yeah. If you want to go ahead and find his book from Damnation to Salvation, you can find it on Amazon, as he said. Also, if you want to get in touch with Brother Nelson and you don't remember the emails or anything like that, contact us at Brothers Just Searching on Facebook, and we'll go ahead and send the information to him. And um, remember to subscribe to our podcast, Brothers Just Searching. Go ahead and tell a friend, like, share, subscribe. It helps more than you know. It gets the gospel out. And uh, we're look, good things are coming. We, uh, we move one step further to our live podcast you know thanks to brother bowen i'm going to give you the credit on that the lord used you to to help us out <laughs> oh, excuse me to help us out uh, and uh just can't wait to see what god has in store for this yeah, ministry man. that's right that's right but well guys until next week bowen anthony and every one of our podcast audience remember you can find the description of our home churches Coda homes fellowship and new beginning fellowship church in the description you also can find all our links to our episodes and all our links to the platforms we're on, Apple, Spotify, Google, and everything like that. So until next week, you be safe, you be ready and willing to see what God has in store for you. Remember, Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's never going to be dethroned, and he is coming back one day. Are you ready to meet him? Until next week, y'all have a good day.